So who do you work for? Can you keep a secret? I'm press. Which, um, which paper? All over. I'm something of a rarity. How's that? I shoot the dead. Dead bodies, that is. I don't kill them. Huh. I should hope not. Halloween episode of the Jim Church School of Digital Underwater Photography. Something interesting happens when the sun goes down. The world around us becomes a little more scary. Nighttime triggers thoughts of spooks and goblins and unknown terrors just around the corner. Places that are safe and familiar during the day can seem alien and dangerous in the dark. If you don't believe us, then walk around your neighborhood tonight after midnight, and then tell us that it felt no different than when you walk that same path in daylight. Tell us that you didn't hear some phantom footsteps behind you. Tell us that your heart didn't race a bit faster the instant the unseen spiderweb touched your face. Tell us that you're not afraid of the dark. We know people who won't even enter their own basements or attics after nightfall. There might be someone or something in there they'd rather not meet. After all, what we can't see just might hurt us. Happy Halloween, everyone. This is Mike Haber. And I'm Mike Mezgleski. This is the 31st podcast of the Jim Church School of Digital Underwater Photography, which is eerily appropriate since Halloween falls on the 31st. Now, this week we've selected a theme in keeping with the spirit of the holiday, night diving and other spooky dive photography. Some of our personal favorite diving opportunities occur at night or in places where the absence of light helps stimulate our imaginations, photographically or otherwise. These kind of dives provide us with interesting photo possibilities, as well as challenges that are different than those experienced during daylight diving. After spending many sunlit hours diving on colorful tropical reef locations, what could be more fun than transforming these stunning scenic vistas into stark, shadowy environments where our vision is limited to the beam of our dive light, where anything might reside just outside of our field of view. Be honest, which one of us hasn't heard the theme of Jaws playing in our head during a night dive? 
The opportunities that this dark realm offers us are creatures or behaviors that might be hidden from us during daylight. Animals that feed at night but hide by day include octopus, squid, moray eels, galaxies of starfish, and an untold variety of other amazing invertebrates. These and more make wonderful photographic subjects when the sun goes down. Dives into spooky places such as the inside of shipwrecks or caves offer different types of photo opportunities. These tend to be less creature-related and more structure-related. Wreck and cave dives don't have to be night dives to be spooky. They're normally very dark places with limited means of entry or escape. For that reason, they require considerably more attention to safety planning than the normal reef night dive. Inside shipwrecks, we usually photograph the man-made objects that have been transformed over time underwater. In caves, we photograph the cave environment itself. Curiously, our approach to night diving photography can be less complex than daytime photography. This is because our options become more limited based on the absence of natural light. Let's examine what we mean by this. Those pesky decisions regarding aperture and shutter speeds are more easily made during a night dive. Since the sole source of light for our image is our strobe, the aperture setting will be determined exclusively by the combination of our strobe to subject distance, our strobe power setting, and our camera's ISO. We'll use our magic strobe chart to calculate that number. With no ambient light, shutter speeds are inconsequential as long as they're within the maximum flash sync speed of our camera. Depending on the manufacturer, flash sync speed will vary from camera to camera. You can find this information in your camera's user manual. Some folks get confused by this last part, so we'll explain it further. Let's say your camera has a maximum strobe sync speed of a 1 250th of a second. Now this means that any shutter speed faster than a 250th of a second will result in the shutter opening and closing prior to the strobe having had an opportunity to fire. This has nothing to do with flash duration. Flash duration, or the time length of the actual burst of strobe light, is incredibly fast. Simply put, by the time the strobe gets the signal from your camera to fire, at shutter speeds faster than a 250th of a second, the shutter will already be closing. It's a communication issue. At any shutter speed, 1 250th of a second or slower, the strobe has all the opportunity it needs to fire before the shutter closes. Because the strobe generates a fixed amount of light, and because the strobe is the only source of light, shutter speeds of 1 250th of a second, 1 30th of a second, or even 1 quarter of a second will allow the same amount of light to reach the sensor. That's what we mean when we say that shutter speeds are inconsequential when there is no ambient light. And if you're asking, well, what about image blur due to slow shutter speeds? Don't worry about it. In the absence of any other light source, your strobe is providing the only illumination for your image. And since your strobe's flash duration is fast, probably as fast as one ten thousandth of a second, the flash duration itself will freeze that action. Another photographic decision that's less complicated during night diving is choice of focal length. Before any dive, a digital SLR shooter must select from a variety of interchangeable lenses across a broad range of focal lengths. 
digital point-and-shoot cameras have no interchangeable lenses, but their zoom lenses still warrant a focal length choice. Regardless of camera, our focal length selection is determined by which potential subjects we expect to encounter. At night, our view is limited to wherever our dive light can reach. We have minimal peripheral vision, and we spend most of our time on the bottom or pretty darn close to it. With such diminished vision, it's difficult to detect the approach of large mobile critters. That makes it almost impossible to prepare for the sudden appearance of a shark or a ray or any other fast-moving large subject. Consequently, our acceptable lens alternatives decrease at night, and in most cases, we find that wide-angle is a poor choice for a night dive. Lighting wide-angle scenes at night can be a problem as well, since so much of the scene might include black space. In daylight, that black space could be blue water or even parts of the reef itself, which tends to mask some backscatter. At night, anything out of the range of our strobes turns black. And regardless of how carefully we aim our strobes, that black space is a perfect environment for backscatter to be visible. In general, it's better to limit the scope of our photography to lenses that allow us to get close to our subjects and fields of view that are not too wide. Macro lenses are great for night dives. Of course, there'll always be exceptions. That's why we say, in general. Typical exceptions are found in the spooky places we discussed earlier, shipwrecks and caves. In these instances, our subjects are likely to be large and stationary. Here, a wide-angle lens is a logical choice. Whether shooting the engine room inside of a shipwreck or a grouping of stalactites within a cave, we have subjects that we can prepare for. We can preset our lighting and our focus. We can even predetermine our composition. That makes a difference compared to attempting to photograph a speeding white-tip shark that comes out of nowhere and disappears before we have a chance to lift our camera. If you plan your shots appropriately, there should be very few photographic surprises in the spooky places. Temporarily, backscatter won't even be an issue, especially if you're the first photographer in such a location. But beware, if you're diving in a place that has a ceiling, it's only a matter of time or matter of breaths before shooting conditions deteriorate due to debris dropping down from the overhead. When shooting in the spooky places, control your breathing, enter cautiously, move deliberately, take your shots, and exit like a cat burglar. Always give the next diver a chance to get the shot. One last thing. We can't shoot what we don't see. Therefore, it's very important to incorporate a spotting light into your system. Now, some photographers prefer strobes that have integrated lights. Others prefer to attach a light to their housing or to the outside of their strobe. There's a variety of options, but regardless of your preference, we have a few suggestions. A very bright light with a thin beam can cause a hot spot in your image. You can avoid this kind of hot spot by selecting a wide beam diffused light of moderate brightness. Also, a wide beam light is preferable when you're trying to track midwater subjects like squid through your viewfinder. Better yet, dive with an accommodating dive buddy who will work the light for you. Mike and I have put a handful of images on the Podcast 31 page that are well suited for our Halloween episode. 
These photographs were shot during night dives or in spooky places. Feel free to disinter them by clicking on the podcast tab at the top of our webpage, www.jimchurchphoto.com. After that, click on the October podcast button to get to our Halloween episode page. Until next time, this is Mike Mezgleski and Mike Haber wishing you pleasant dreams. Remember to lock the door and don't let the bed bugs bite much. Listen to them, children of the night, what music they make.